What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Indie Pub Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jay and Shani, alongside the aggressively helpful SM Voice. Heyo. How's it going? I am tired. <laughs> How are you? Yeah. Yeah. I everyone, think everyone this week, super exhausted. Super it's exhausted. Fun. I, I have just I have two major deadlines coming up in the near future, so I'm just kind of like chuck, chucking, trucking, trucking through. See, I can't even talk. I yeah. just can't even talk. Hopefully, I can be coherent enough for this episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking a nap after this. There you go. Like proper adults, we <laughs> take we naps. Well, this week in the ever-rotating third chair, we're joined by our very special guest, Sarah Nofke. Sarah, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi there. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, I am a new adult, young adult author. I have nine books out, and they're in four different series. And then I'm going to have a book that's released on March 15th. March 15th. All right. That's two weeks before mine. Crazy. Yes. yes. Actually, I think, yeah, I think by the time this is out, it'll already be out. What's the name of it? It is the third book in a series. Uh, it's the Vagabond Circus series, and the book is called Released. So, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to tie everything up. You're releasing a book called Released? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I love that. Keeping it easy. Uh, and that's uh, it's actually really cool. I have um, and my grimoire saga isn't obviously called the Vagabond series, but there is a very prominent person who goes by the title Vagabond in it. So that's cool to see using it in a similar, I guess, actually pretty different way. But and one of your uh, one of your spinoff books that you're gonna write. That's it's got it's Vagabond called, right in the name. Yeah, it's called the First Vagabond. There you go. It's about that guy. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Vagabond's a great word. It really is, though. It just kind of, like, it sticks with you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And cool, it has a negative connotation, I think, but when you can use it in fiction in a positive way, it gives it a new spin. Well, today, we're going to talk about Amazon's KDP Select program, or yeah. Kindle Unlimited, for those who don't know, as well as a brief overview of how to use Goodreads effectively because our good friend Sarah Nofke here is somewhat of an expert on that. She's a unicorn. In my her, opinion. Based on her experiences in Goodreads. I've never seen anyone have such a positive experience. Yeah, we're going to try to pry open those secrets. Awesome. I'll give them away for free. Good job. That's why you're here. Thank you, Sarah. You're welcome. All right. Well, why don't we go ahead and dive in and tell us a bit Let's just set this up. What is KU, Kindle Unlimited? And what are the pros and cons in a brief overview? Okay, so Kindle Unlimited is a program that's run through Amazon and readers subscribe to it for $9.99 a month and they have access to millions of ebooks um, and then thousands of audiobooks and they can, I mean, it's unlimited. So as an author, what you need to know is that you are going to have to commit to be exclusive with Amazon if you are going to be in the KU program with your books. So you would go into the KDP forum and you would um, select KDP Select. So that's the overview of KU. And Let's actually dive into that for just 
so you said audiobooks. It's I thought it was just ebooks in the Kindle Unlimited program. I did too, but I think that they've changed some things around because when I went to go um, look up the numbers to find out how many books, because like six months ago they only had 600,000 ebooks on there, and so now they've just updated their numbers and they have a million. And so when I was looking that up, I noticed that they were offering their audiobooks. And I have noticed an increase in sales for my audiobooks, and I think that that's because I'm in KU. So readers mm. can get those as well. I know that the with WhisperSync, and this is only slightly off topic, um, but with WhisperSync, you can, when you buy the ebook, you get a massive discount on the audiobook if the book is in the WhisperSync program on Amazon. I wonder if that's somehow related to their Kindle Unlimited program. I'm not sure, but it seems like something that they would be doing because they they've been connecting all of their their different programs, you know, their paperbacks with their ebooks, with their audiobooks, you know, to become the giants that they are. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm gonna have to look deeper into that. Um, and and when you said that when you know for people to select KDP Select to get into Kindle Unlimited, it's on their book page when they publish right. the book. Right. It's at the okay. very top, and it's just like a checkbox, and it says yeah. KDP Select. And then when you select that, you are getting into a contract with them for 90 days, and um, you know it's per book, so you don't have to do all of them. Mm -hmm. But um, and the contract will automatically renew if you do not go in there and change it. Yeah, and that's just for the digital books. It's not for the paperback. Technically, you could still have your paperback on Barnes and Noble, but for indies, exactly. they don't really. We don't really sell paperbacks much so exactly cool Nobody. all right so let's talk pros, pros. pros. Oh. and you know I'm it's gonna be kind of a one-sided thing with me because I mean for me as an author KU just makes a lot of sense so I have a lot of pros and not a ton of cons when it comes to, to KU but I think the biggest one is is let's be honest Amazon is the giant. They have over 70% of the market. So in my mind, why wouldn't I want to be exclusive with the giant? And I'm not sure if y'all heard about it, but they are launching a bunch of bookstores nationwide that are going to be brick and mortar. And mm -hmm. they're going to be offering their books through there. And they're going to, of course, be promoting exclusive authors more heavily. That's, I mean, another pro. So Barnes & Noble, I think, is pissing in their pants right now because that's going to really, really sabotage some of their profits. Um, other pros is that, I mean, like I said, that they do give me prime placement. I'm, I'm not an exclusive author with them. And so I think that they put me at the top of the list, um, that I rank better. Um, who knows, you know, based on their algorithms, how that's working. But I, I think that that is a factor. They'll put me in emails, you know. They, they want to. It is a factor. Um, so a few friends friends of mine have been doing experiments on KU books versus non-KU books, and consistently, the books in KU have outranked the non-KU books, even though the non-KU books are technically selling more. And I think it's because the borrows are factoring into the algorithms and placement. They definitely are. When they when they change um, the the way that they were calculating KU, my numbers shot up pretty high on the ranking, so I, I, I definitely think that there's something going on there, but I'm not sure how it's working exactly because it's, it's been inconsistent, and like I said, they're, they're changing the way that they're, they're normalizing their, their pages 
Right. They always do, though. They don't want us to ever know. <laughs> I like the secrets. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, those are, those are a lot of the benefits. And, I mean, really, it's, it's just that they have, they have the market. And so I, I think that that's an important factor. But discussing cons, I mean, it, obviously, you're just not going to be able to be on Nook or iBooks. You're going to be limited as far as retailers go. I don't. I don't really see a problem with that, but I. I don't really have the experience because I've always been on Ku. Yeah. Well, let's actually discuss that a little further. Um, listeners may know I was on Kindle Unlimited from July to January, so it's a six-month period, and um, the first three months were spectacular in terms of sales. I hit a record-breaking month in July, um, and it just kind of petered out from there. Um, the benefits I really saw, uh, I did get better rankings, far better rankings than I had when I was off. And on top of that, they give you um, promotion days. You can either have free days or you can do something called a Kindle countdown deal, which is where you have access to um, a pricing change. So you can basically have like, you can make your $4 book $3 for two days, you know, $2 for one day and 99 cents for one day or whatever iteration of that you want to do. Um, so you can actually couple that with your free days for like your first book. So there's a lot you can do strategically with these free days and countdown deals. But uh, you only get five of these days per book per 90-day contract. Have you ever used those? I use them every 90 days for the first book in each of my series. And that's been a huge strategy to, to help me keep my ranking. And, um, you know, I, you have to put a lot of promotion into it, and, and that's why I'm uncertain if that's a pro to the program, because you actually are limited. And if I wasn't, I, I guess you can't do free days otherwise. Uh, I thought you could do free days you if you can't. weren't. No, you are limited, and you cannot do a perma-free when your book is in KU. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I do the free days, and it helps to push the book, and, you know, I mean, it's like crack. First one's free, and then I get everybody going through the series, and um, it just it goes on from there. So it's definitely a great benefit. Yeah, I call the free book my uh, gateway drug. <laughs> <laughs> it's only fair. I don't it's, mind. It's really, um, yeah. So the way that Kindle is, you know, Kindle Unlimited works. The way you get paid for this, you touched on this briefly. I just want to dive in a little deeper. You get paid per page that readers read. Um, and that is Kindle pages, not um, book pages. So it's actually a lot more than like if it was in a print book. And um, they have a budget every month, and they just allocate based on the percentage of your books being read compared to everyone else. You get a percentage of the pot. Exactly. Right. And you said it was how much for January? So the newsletter just came out, and it's 15 million, which is the highest budget that they've ever had. Yeah, and that's not a big. It is, and when I started this a year ago, it was like six million. And then, like, they would come back like halfway through the month, and they'd be like, "Oh, we're gonna throw another two million at it." But I mean, to to start the month at fifteen million is pretty major because I suspect that they're still gonna come back at the end of the month and throw some more money at it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like I said, they're they're the giants, and they treat their authors really well in that respect. Although I may be alone in thinking that because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not popular opinion. I'll, I'll just say that. Um, 
you do have this beautifully unique perspective. Like you have only ever worked with Amazon. You've never published with like Nook or Kobo, right? No, and well, okay, actually I have. And I oh. have translated books. Um, so it's it's a different deal, I'll admit. But um I have books in Spanish, Portuguese, and Italian. And all of those, because they go through Babelcube, um, are on 12 different retailers uh, worldwide. And, I mean, the thing is, is that 70% of my profits or more come through Amazon on all of those books. Mm -hmm. So, again, I see a better benefit. And that's 70% of those books, and they're not in KU. So I keep trying to get Babelcube to do a, a KU option, and they they won't do it. So um, I do have that experience, but, you know, maybe I'm naive to, to trust Amazon. I just, um, I don't know. They, they, it works for me. I don't, I don't think that's naive. I actually think it's really common, um, especially for new authors. I'm, I'm not saying you fall into that category, but it's especially common for new authors to start with KU simply because it's easy. Like, you publish to one place and then, like, boom, you're done. And you have all these great features, all this great exposure on the the big monkey, as some people call Amazon. Like, you know, it's the biggest gorilla in the forest. Jungle. Sorry, that was a horrible analogy. But they're the bigger, you know, they're the bigger guy. It was um, a terrible analogy. It was terrible. It was horrible. so bad. I deserve to be hit for it. I'm really Man. sorry. It it sounded good in my head, I guess, but you know that's what deadlines and exhaustion will do. Um, moving on, anyway. So a lot of folks like it because it's easy and it has benefits. But for authors like me, I actually saw a dip in my overall sales because I have my income is about sixty percent Amazon, forty percent other retailers, and that's really rare. I mean, Amazon is still the majority, but they're closer to the halfway mark than I think most people. So I actually pissed off a lot of my readers when I was in my, my KU experiment. Yeah, so I think the trick is about where you start out. So if you start out in KU, then you're going to, you know, it's not, you're going to have more of, you know, Sarah's experience. And if you start out on all the retailers like you did, then, you know, it's going to be close to your experience. I don't know. I've actually been told that I'm a unicorn from my experience. Really? Yeah. Um, it's not common to have a strong stake in Barnes Noble, especially. I think the last time I checked, they were 20 or 25 percent. Yeah, of something myself. like that. And I think I think Kobo is like 10 or 15. There. Is that is that your experience too? My experience? Okay. <laughs> my experience is that Barnes and Nobles. I sell like one book there. A month, if I'm lucky. Uh, Kobo, I sell more, and I I, I sell more. What'd you say? I said I will forever laugh at you for calling it Barnes and Nobles. Oh yeah. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> I like I like to put an S on the end of everything, <laughs> including Mailchimp's. Kobo's. Yeah, the Twitter. <laughs> the Twitter's. Oh my God, you're such an old fart. <laughs> I know. Um, anyway. No, no. Yeah. So so I sell more on iBooks. Um, I think than all the other ones. Uh, I sell I sell on Kobo every once in a while, um, like at least one or two a week on Kobo, and then I mean I only have one book out, you know, two, so I don't yeah, have the I library that either. Yeah, I don't have the library that you have or that Sarah Nafki has, so yeah, it's a lot different. Well, I think, and we don't need to, I guess 
go too much deeper in this, but I think for authors, when you're coming up with a strategy that works for you, whether it's KU or across all platforms, it's important to remember what you want, how, how much you want to learn in the beginning. Because KU is a great place to start while you research the other channels, and then you can move off of KU. Um, but I do consistently see new authors starting in KU and then branching out. Well, yeah, I mean, because it's the easiest, right? You mm -hmm. don't have to worry about learning all these other platforms. You can just start at the one place. Yeah. It's very streamlined. Amazon has, I would say, by far the best publishing platform for new people to get into. Yeah, Kobo, I think, easy. is a close second. It's very yeah, Kobo. Kobo's pretty um, good, too. Barnes & Noble's is terrible. I just giggle every time you say it. I know. I did it that time <laughs> on purpose. <so. laughs> um, well, another thing to consider is uh, I don't like monopolies, and it, it kind of scares me when your book is exclusive to a single channel because then Amazon can do things like change the payout mid-contract like they did when they changed the Indian uh, subscription rate in India from $10 to 4 because that's what the audience there was willing to pay. Mm. So you, you really are at a disadvantage, especially if you build your platform there. Um, you're giving all your power to a single person who can always change it later depending on what works best for them. So it's just important to remember that you are giving up a bit of your personal power and control as a business owner when you go KU. And I don't disagree with you because I'm not big into monopolies, but at the same point, you're only locked into a 90-day contract. So say that they change it on me today. I mean, my contract ends in three weeks. It's like I can I can get out of it. That's true. But, That's absolutely true. But, I mean, also, as an author, I mean, I did do it because it was the easy thing to do, and my thing is all about production. I want to get out as many books as possible, and so since I'm doing this, you know, just me, um, company of one, I I have to do something that's that's easy. And... You know, I, I think that you have to be strategic, and so I'd like to get into the other platforms at some point if it makes sense. But, I mean, it, this is such a crazy business being an author, and there's so much competition. So, for me, it just makes a lot of sense. But also, I think that other authors really need to look because, I mean, like, Cheney with one book doesn't really make sense probably at this point to be in KU, but... You know, I have series, and so people start my series, and then they they binge read, you know, all nine books, and it it really tends to work. But of course, I'm still limited. I don't know. I don't know if it would work in other platforms. Voice, you there? Yeah, I I thought that was really well worded. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't have I, I didn't have anything to add. I thought that was great. Oh, okay. Like it's a very fair. Um... Well, let's let's talk about uh, strategies. So, if KU is something that you're interested in, um, let's. I guess let's go around in a circle, and we can all talk about. We can, <laughs> we talk can about hold hands, sing kumbaya, yeah. <laughs> and share our feelings. Um, so like, that. <laughs> what are some of the strategies that you used, voice, when you were in there? And then we'll compare those to Sarah's and see how they stack up. Okay. I have nothing to add to this conversation because I have never <laughs> been to Well, okay. So I think the biggest and most important strategy is to make sure you utilize your free days and your promotion. 
days because uh, like I said before you get five days with every book and you can use those either as free days or as a countdown deal you cannot do both for the same book that's important to remember at least that's how it was when I was in there so what we would do is we would actually hit it hard and do because I, I have a team of assistants who helps me so that's why I say we um, we would do five days free for the first book in the series because I had four books in all the same series all in KU. We would do the five days uh, subsequently so like one week for the first book and make it free and then we would have a countdown deal going for the next three books starting at 99 cents for the first two days and then the third day it was $1.99 the fourth day it was $2.99 uh, I think it's the fourth and fifth day. It was two ninety nine, and then it went back up to three ninety nine because that's what they were all priced at. Um, that worked really effectively because I not only had the promotion and made it free, I put a lot of effort into advertising it. So I emailed my list. I let them know that the deal was happening. I emailed them once when it started, and once about I think twelve hours before it ended as kind of the final hurrah and like this is your last chance you absolutely have to go do it now or you're gonna miss out forever and then I also bought three ads I bought a bookbub and I scheduled this whole thing around the bookbub because I always let bookbub tell me <laughs> what dates work for them and I started with the bookbub ad on that first day and then on middle day I did a free book C and on the last day I did a book gorilla and that really shot me up in the rankings and in sales and borrows and read and reads. So um, I did see a little bit of trickle over into my other book because at that time I only had one other book published and it was in a spin-off series from this grimoire saga. Um, but I've noticed that it's there is not a lot of crossover from my core series to that series, even though it's advertised in the back of the fourth book. And I'm still trying to figure out why there's not a lot of crossover. So that's still kind of a question mark for me. I'm not sure it was directly related to KU. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's not. So that's kind of the overview of our advertising and promotion strategy while we were in KU. I hadn't thought about doing the countdown days on the other books in the series. I, I actually haven't ever put those on sale. So that's actually a really good idea, and I think I'm going to steal it. Thank you. By all means, steal away. It was, uh, it was Kayla Curry's idea. She's my creative marketing director, and she's freaking brilliant. Yeah, it makes sense because I do see a spike in the other books, of course, as you would, whenever I, it's free. Yeah. But um, encouraging them because, you know, you, you want to grab them while you can. So, great idea. Thank you. So, do you want to tell us um, anything about your strategy and what you did to promote your free days? Well, I, you know, similar to you, I did buy different services. I've never gotten BookBub, but, um, you know, that's that's gonna come one day, I hope. But um, I, I do um, purchase other services through, you know, some of the some of the major ones, and I do the free days, and I really, really push. And so, if I do that at the beginning of the 90 days, then it really keeps me in the top 100 until the next promotional period. But I also run a lot of Facebook ads, and um, those I've seen really great results with. And um, I target the KU uh, readers on there, and that that's really been helpful too. And um, 
then I also do the sample chapters in the back of the book. And so I'm getting money on those pages read, and then also I'm selling the next book in the series. But I also do sample chapters for all of my books. So it's, it's quite a chunk at the very back. Right, and that seems to be a pretty common strategy to, to make sure to add some chapters at the back, just not only to encourage people and entice them to read the next book, but also to make some money off the pages read. Yeah, absolutely, but that's something that um, just came out this week, is that there, um, Amazon is normalizing the way that pages are read because of, not specifically the, the chapters in the back, but because people were putting blank pages in. I mean, I don't know these wow, idiots. that's <laughs> No, I mean, like, it's Amazon. They're going to figure this out. So they were, like, messing with font size and putting diagrams and pictures and things. And so they sent out an email this week and pretty much said, you know, we're normalizing things and we're going to do it more based on uh, file size rather than, um, like, you know, the, the number of pages that you have. And I think that that way they can determine, like, if you're actually reading content and not crap. Yep, pretty much any strategy that takes advantage of something in KU is going to be uh, normalized eventually. <laughs> like they figure it always. Um, they figure it out always. So I'm not even sure how much longer um, putting chapters in the back of the book will really count. Like, how do they even know when the book ends? Um, how does Amazon know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that that's as big of a concern. I I think that it's it's just an effective strategy for um, getting readers and keeping those KU people coming back. And so I, I think that that's the reason for putting the chapters in the back of the book and, and having extra material, um, any way that you can hook people. I'm, I'm not going to say that I make a lot of serious money off of people reading my uh, chapters, but... Okay, cool. What other back matter do you have in there? Like, do you have about the author, sign up for my email list, anything like that? I do. I have all of those things. And, um, yeah, I about the author and the acknowledgments page. And then, yeah, um, at the very end of the book, I have a subscription link. Awesome. That's definitely recommended that everybody have that in the back. You want to get people on your email list. You want them reading the next book. I've actually seen a lot of really good response to putting just the cover of my next book in the back, along with a, a title that reads something like, you know, want more or can't get enough, you know, something like that. And um, that usually entices people to go find it. Because uh, I link to my website where I have a novels page, and it shows you every book in that series. And so I just link to that since Amazon doesn't want you linking to Barnes & Noble or anything. And it's, it's a lot of work to customize the file format based on each place you're uploading it. So That's a good idea. Thank you. Uh, so, Nafki, do you, um, do you put the chapters in front of all that back matter or after? Let's see here. The format is that I put at the very end of the book, I, I have, you know, join my subscription list. And then um, just right underneath that, I say, you know, to continue your journey with the Lucidites or whoever it is, um, you know, purchase your book here. And I have a link, but then also right underneath that, it says, um, if, you know, to, to check out a sample chapter, flip to the back. 
And um, then right after that, I do about the author acknowledgments, and then I launch the chapters. But I let them know that those chapters are back there. Yeah, I think when you set it up that way, you absolutely have to. Otherwise, people see about the author, and they're like, oh, it's done, you know? Yeah, exactly. Actually, you want to know something interesting. I actually had a complaint. Um, what I used to do was put the first chapters of Friends books in the back of my novels just to encourage people to try a new series and reach out to new authors. And uh, I had a couple people complain that the book felt like it ended too soon because they saw that there was still like 5-7% left at the end of the book when the book ended. And so they thought that they were going to get more from my story when in fact it was the start of an entirely new story, an entirely new series. And so actually that whole technique, which was championed at the time, is like what you absolutely had to do. Um, it ended up pissing off readers. I thought that was really interesting. Did you put anything like in the uh, table of contents? Yeah. About that? Oh, yeah. It was in the table of contents. I I had a note from the author after the book ended. It was just the fact that while they were reading like the final chapter, they saw that they had five to seven percent left in the book, and they thought that the last chapter was going to be a lot longer than it was. Hmm. That was the really the core frustration they felt. And I've had that same exact complaint um, with my really? new series because I have so because before when I had one series it was just one chapter and now I have four different series and so I have a lot of material back there and so um, spoiler uh, one of my books uh, it ends with a cliffhanger and so I got a, <laughs> a hate email she was so oh mad oh my god that's she's like, like the perfect the storm that's like a perfect storm right there. You know, How to lose every year in 90 days. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't care. I'm like, oh. deal with it. You'll, you'll learn next time that at 10% the book is, you know, when, when you have 10% left, you don't have any left. It's uh, all that. Well. I'm, I try to be sympathetic. I know that's kind of a hard-ass approach. <laughs> they, but. And, and it was actually all done in, in good humor. And so she, okay. she actually read the second book and just posted a review. And she was like, I knew it was coming. So that well, was great. That's good. I'm, I'm glad you didn't lose her as a reader. No, no. I, I go to great lengths to um, keep readers, actually. I, good. I do all sorts of things I probably shouldn't. Well, that just lets the mind wander. <laughs> <laughs> Nasky really wants to be your author. <laughs> you, should, uh, you should tell her about those pants you got. What? <laughs> well, that's not even related to to, to um, a fan. That's just a creepy friend. But um, <laughs> creepy friends are giving you pants. Is that what I'm supposed to take away from this conversation? Yeah, exactly. Um, I'll just I'll just let you you know be curious. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> No, it's just that I really try to engage with readers a lot, and so I, you know, get into their life, and we talk, and we have, you know, exchanges, and, you know, so that's really what I mean is that I, I get on a personal level a lot of times with my readers, and um, they become my friends, and, you know, um, then they friends. send me gifts and personalized pants and things, so... <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Well, if any of my readers want to send me a pair of pants, <laughs> you hit me up. <laughs> Speaking of Glad. staying connected with your readers, -pants. we can switch to the Goodreads topic. Yeah, now. that's a really good idea. Look at Chaney <laughs> keeping us on point today. That's right. Somebody has to. All right. Chaney, you take the lead on this one. All right. Well, let's talk about Goodreads. Hooray. The topic that everyone wants to discuss. 
Now, Boyce and I don't have a ton of experience with Goodreads, um, and we've heard a lot of negative things. Or maybe Boyce does, I don't know. Um, I don't. So, Sarah, tell us a little bit about Goodreads and how should you approach it? I love, love Goodreads. And I'm, I know that there's a lot of authors that don't, and they have good reasons for it. Because Goodreads does not protect authors. You know, they, they are all about the reader. And so if an author, I mean, if, if a reader goes on there and has author abuse and things, there's nothing that they'll do. And I've not heard of one single case where they have taken the author's side. I had somebody go on there, and the book wasn't even released yet. It was on pre-order. And they gave me, like, a really nasty review. And so I, like, emailed Goodreads. I was like, this is kind of a not good, you know, this this doesn't work. And they're like, eh, sorry, get over it. But, so that's the that's why people don't like Goodreads a lot of times. But I think that the advantages really outweigh any of those, you know, complaints or, or concerns because, you know, I mean, as authors, we just have to get thicker skin and understand that, you know, in an unregulated environment like Goodreads, you're going to have those problems. Right, so, all right, real quick. You have a fan group, for example. You have a fan group on Goodreads. Um, multiple authors do. And I've seen that it's a, it's a really good tool to use, like a discussion area where you can go and engage with people directly, like a message board, that kind of thing. You can send out messages to everybody in the group. Um, you know... You make friends with other with readers directly, private message them, things like that. It's sort of like Facebook in a way, but you know, more directed at books and, and writers and readers, everything like that. Right. And I mean that's the thing. At the end of the day, it's like why wouldn't I want to I mean Goodreads is are are all readers. It's not like Facebook where it's gonna be this huge audience. It's gonna be very specific fanatics. Of books, so I think that it's a really important um, uh, channel to use, and you can really reach out and and interact with readers, which I think is really the the benefit. And the fan group, actually, I didn't start for the record, and it's a small fan group. It's like 230 people or something. I don't know, um, but it was a a little boy who is, um, you know, can't get on Facebook, and he doesn't have an Amazon account, and so he found me through Goodreads, and he can he can do all of his fan stuff there, and it's really really great. He actually did a role playing game or something like that. I don't even know, um, and and he created the group and then invited people. So you can also really create a profile for yourself because as an author, I want people to stalk me. Um, and I, they can't do that unless they have material to do, you know, to to look at. Like, you know, you can put quotes up, you can do book trailers, you can do pictures, you can do reviews, ask the author, all sorts of things. So, what are uh, what are a few ways that you like when you first started on Goodreads that you did to like engage with people and connect with people and sort of like build that. Um, that audience on Goodreads and get immersed in that community. Like what? Like just list out a few things that you think somebody who's brand new to that scene could do. Okay, so 
definitely the first thing you have to do is fill out that profile. I mean, you want to you want to put up you know pictures. You're you want to have um, quotes from your book on there because readers will go on there and they'll like those quotes, and then their fan their friends will you know see those quotes and like them. Um, there's a little option where you can ask the author questions, and they have like five on there that are just standard like you know, what do you do when you have writer's block or something like that. So you can answer those and then later on readers will start asking you specific questions. And so having that profile filled out is key. That's number one. But then two is go on there and be a reader. I've seen so many authors and they're some of the same ones that complain about how much they don't like Goodreads, but they'll say that um, they'll, they'll go into these discussion forums and they'll be like, hey, I'm an author, read my book. And Readers hate that. They, they, it's just not the place to promote yourself. The way to promote yourself there is to be a reader. So, you know, going on there, I found and reviewing a bunch of books and posting my reviews and going into the discussion forums and engaging with people about books that I enjoy has been really good because, I mean, there's been multiple times that somebody said, oh, after our discussion, I went and checked out your profile and I noticed you were an author. And since we both like the same books, I knew I would like your book. So I went and bought it. Awesome. Um, and I always update my profile. I mean, not my profile, my uh, status. And I do that with my books. So I'll put like, you know, a picture of my book with the advertising on it. And then I uh, link it directly to Amazon. So that's, I mean, th those are the best ones, I think. There you go. Wes, anything to add? No, I think that's all fabulous. I've stopped um, operating on Goodreads. Nothing bad ever happened to me. I just I saw a lot of um, drama, and I was like, you know, it's not really where I want to put my time. But it's really great to hear this experience because I actually have not heard this experience from a fellow author before, and I like the way you approached it. You're just, it's basically all the networking basics: to talk to people, answer questions, engage with folks, find similarities, and just you know, sidestep anyone who's being a little nasty, and just don't engage. It sounds yeah. like, especially since you weren't the one to create your fan group, I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons that you've had such a great success on there. Your fans created it. That's truly a fan group. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I think it'd be weird to, to start a fan group for yourself. I think you know, you'd say that, but there are plenty of people who do all the freaking time. I mean, I'm not judging, and I, I get it. But, I mean, and another benefit is that um, I've connected with some amazing authors on there, and they're really supportive because the people that do get on there, they have a thick skin, and they're there because they love what they do. And so it's, it is really great for networking with authors, and there's all those different groups. You know, I'm a part of uh, one that does book trailers, and the authors on there, they, they go to great lengths to support me, and, you know, I support them back, of course, but that's another benefit because... Authors are readers. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't actually think I have anything to add. Do you, Cheney? Um, no, don't think so. I was trying to think of anything else on Goodreads that we could talk about. Yeah. Um. I guess besides just making sure that your books are always up to date. Uh, Authors should definitely get a librarian account so that you have access to edit books and update books. And, and then from there, make sure that your book pages are always accurate. Um, that's really the only advice I have. 
How do you get a librarian account? I had to look it up and apply, I think. Just if you look up how to be a librarian on Goodreads and Google, you should find the results for it. So you have one? Yes. So you could edit my stuff for me? Uh, no. Yeah, all right. Shit. So I learned something today. <laughs> Shit. Because doing it yourself would be too hard. Well, is, yeah. I'm his friggin' guinea pig. I always do everything first. <laughs> I need my cover updated. <laughs> and I was I'm confused by that because I don't I don't think I'm a librarian and I can update my stuff. So I'm not really? sure. Yeah, I, I saw the link on there to like you know to become a librarian, but hmm. you don't. You don't have to do that. I wonder if you're automatically given access to any books you claim on your author profile, maybe? Well, I wasn't. I tried. Yeah, I, I see, no. that's what I see most of the time, is authors cannot access their own pages. Yeah, I... Maybe I Goodreads just loves you, Nafki. Maybe that's what we need to take away from this today, is Goodreads put you on a whitelist, and you're like, yeah, let her do whatever I, she wants. I don't think so, because <laughs> I email them on a weekly basis about... I like to tell people how to do their job, so... Oh, I bet that goes over well. <laughs> I, it's fine. It works for me. Um, so I email them all the time, and I'm like, you know, I don't really like this feature. Can you change it? And so I, I think that that's the reason that they, they just are like, okay, let's just shut her out. Let's yeah, at some point, they probably just gave it to you. Like... <laughs> Actually, I bet you're right. I bet they were like, screw this. Give her access. Maybe this will cut down our workload. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see what the problem is. I'm trying to make them better. They should be happy. I don't think anyone who's being asked to do more work thinks that makes them happy. <laughs> well, they, they do have some, some problems and flaws with their model, but, I mean, overall, you just take it for what it's worth, and, you know, I think that there's just a lot of benefits. I also run um, giveaways through Goodreads, and um, I run one for each of the first book in my series. Um, every, like, I think, it, I think you can only do, like, two months. And you can, you can do it, like, you know, for a week or you can do it for two months. And so the benefit to that is is that there's a bunch of readers that like to go on and they like to um, uh, go into those giveaways because, you know, they want free stuff. And so um, they will go in and they'll fill out their information and then one of the options is to put the book on their TBR list. Mm -hmm. And so by doing that, I, of course, you know, Getting, getting on those TBR lists, but I mean, I, I also like giving away paperbacks when I can because it does encourage um, fandom. So. Actually, I do want to talk about that. I haven't given away a paperback on Goodreads in like two years, I think. Do you do that regularly? I do. I give away a paperback. I, I always have a giveaway running for each of my paperbacks. The first in the series. I mean, of course, I wouldn't give away like the second or third. Or right, whatever. that'd be weird. Yeah. But um, okay, tell us about what that does for you. What are your What's the outcome of running those giveaways and spending that money every month? It's and I mean the thing is is that it's such a nominal amount when when you really break it down. But um, I, I mean it's exposure. So, I mean, people are going through those giveaway lists and they're signing up and they're seeing my books. And that's the thing is I'm always trying to put my books in front of people's faces because at some point it's just going to get into the back of their memory and they're going to be like, I need to read that book. What am I missing out on? But um, so it's exposure. And they're putting their, my books on their TBR list. So the first um, 
book that I did this with. It was my first book, my first series, and of course, because nobody knew about me, like 20 people had that book on their TBR list. And then after I did the giveaway, I had like a thousand people that I put on there. So that really, you know, helps. And I mean, that's just a number, but I thought that it was cool. And um, then I, you know, one person wins, and I sign the book, and you know, send them a personalized note, and you know, if they like the book, they they created a bond with me. Let's hope. Yeah. You know, actually, I did a couple of those giveaways, and the first giveaway I ever sent out, um, the guy left a two-star review because apparently he didn't like fantasy. <laughs> I was I like, why the hell did you let me send you a free book if you don't like the genre? It was just so frustrating. No, and that, that was my sense. first experience with it. That's a bad experience. Yeah. But that's because people go on there that, like... I guess they have nothing better to do, and they'll just like fill out the entry form for every single giveaway, and there's hundreds of them on there yeah. because they just want to win some free stuff. But whatever, you know. I hopefully that that won't be the winner next time. <laughs> so, do you have an international giveaway, or do you just do domestic? Oh God, no! I did it one time, and it was ridiculous. Um, so, no, I just do domestic now, and I only give away one book every two months. But it's one book in each series, so four books. Right. So something I remember, else too. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Um, another one of the times I did a giveaway on Goodreads. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is where the giveaway was. But somebody won it who lived in India, and uh, the shipping alone was like sixteen twenty dollars. Oh my god. <laughs> For like the yeah. slowest I could send it, that was sixteen twenty dollars with no tracking. I had no way to know if it ever got to her. Three months later. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, I sent one to Argentina and it was thirty dollars. So I was like, sorry, I'm not doing yeah. that again. Man. Yeah. Um, well, on a on a separate note, um, you introduced me to a um, fan group of another author who is much bigger than any of us, and he had a uh, you know read for review thing, so we both signed up for that. Um, so there's lots of ways to make awesome connections on there as far as like, you know, little promotional groups and things like that. Uh, the read for review group, if I remember correctly, uh, offered like 50 copies to 50 people for reviews. And I think mine's in June, and I think yours is going right now, isn't it? It is going right now, and I yeah. think I have like I don't know how many people have signed up. It's it's not at 50 yet, but um, there are lots of read for reviews. That's how I get the reviews for my audiobooks, and then um, I'll do each of the ones, um, the first books in my series. Um, and yeah, there's there's so many different groups there. Um, and and that's the thing is that the readers are really fun because they're, you know, they're they're fanatics. So I think yeah, that that's engaged. Yeah. But they're also jerks, too, because a lot of them are, you know, 13-year-old girls who have nothing better to do than, you know, tell me how bad a job I'm doing. Oh, well. Just girls, though, not boys. Yeah, boys are apparently little saints online. We have better things to do. Oh, my gosh. The, no, the, <laughs> there are a lot of guys on there that I'm pretty certain don't read. Um, uh, the biggest creeps I've met are actually on Goodreads too, so it attracts a fun group. It keeps me entertained. 
This has been an interesting discussion of Goodreads, brought to you by Saranofsky. Yeah, Goodreads. <laughs> oh God, they're gonna kick me off. <laughs> Collect your colorful pants at the end of this call. Oh, All right. Man. Well, I think that covers everything pretty well. Does anybody have anything they want to add? No, we went through all the talking points um, and then some, so that's good. Yeah, I thought this was great. Thank you again, Sarah, for coming on. Really appreciate it. You're welcome, and I learned a lot too, so I appreciate it. Awesome. Glad we could have a mutual exchange of information. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, well, let's go ahead and wrap up then. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you've just listened to the Indie Pub podcast with Jay and Chaney, me, SM Voice, and our special guest, Saranofsky. Make sure you also join us on Patreon for amazing fan extras not available anywhere else. The link is in the text below, or you can go over to patreon.com and search for the Indie Pub podcast. As always, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>